0: Hi, I'm Dan Primat, and welcome to Axios Recap, where we dig into one big story. Today is Monday, June 14th. Oil prices are up, some national parks are bringing down their gates due to overcrowding, and we're focused on fine art's digital future.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, a small incremental increase from 1,800,000
0: to $10 million. Here on my left at $10 million, Michael's bid at $10 million. Last week, Sotheby's auctioned off artwork that was never painted or sculpted. These were digital creations, and what's being auctioned off were NFTs, or non-fungible tokens. Now, NFTs are something we've discussed on Recap before. Uh, We described them as a digital currency, receipt, and authentication process all wrapped into one. They're kind of almost digital derivatives, but even though they're derivative of something else, they themselves can't be replicated. They sit on the blockchain, the one and only time they exist. So all of this, NFTs, it's either the future of art, as a lot of people in that Sotheby's auction believe, or a little more than proof that some people have way too much money. Now, the Sotheby's auction wasn't the first time that an NFT for digital art had been sold by a major auction house. That happened back in March, when one by the artist Beeple was sold at Christie's for a whopping $69 million. Instead, the Sotheby's one was literally the first NFT, as in the first one ever created, it was minted back in 2014 by an artist named Kevin McCoy, who called it Quantum. The sale price was $1.5 million to a buyer named Silly Tuna. And before you roll your eyes at the idea of someone known as Silly Tuna doing much of anything, know that Silly Tuna, on that same day, sold an NFT from his collection for over $11.7 million. Oh, and Silly Tuna didn't just sell an NFT. He sold something called a CryptoPunk, One of 10,000 unique collectible characters that NFT folks get very, very excited about. In short, the art world has absorbed NFTs or is being absorbed by them. And there's no one I wanted to talk with more about this than my Axios colleague and resident fine art finance expert, Felix Salmon. And there was no one Felix wanted to speak with more than Kevin McCoy, creator of the first fine art NFT. You'll hear both conversations after this break. We're joined now by Felix Salmon, Axios Chief Financial Correspondent. So Felix, NFTs are, are kind of at this intersection of investment in cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology and fine art. So what does this Sotheby's auction mean for how we should think about NFTs?
2: I, I think what it has showed us is that there's still a massive gap between the cryptocurrency world of NFTs and the art world. If you look at the most expensive art world NFTs and Quantum was one of them and there's been a couple from Andy Warhol who, as you know, is dead. They really don't compare in price to the amounts that are being paid for crypto world NFTs, which are in that world I would include the CryptoPunks, but also someone like Beeple, who famously sold for $69 million at Christie's. So it's still two very different worlds. There's the NFT world and there's the art world and they have not yet really overlapped.
0: But when it comes to the auction itself, is there a difference between how a crypto NFT has been auctioned off compared to how, say, this one was auctioned off, this fine art one?
2: There are lots of different auction mechanisms. Most NFTs sell by auction on online sites. There are like bids and offers, some of them trade. You can set up a one-week auction, a one-day auction. I think auction mechanism is something you can get caught up in and it's important just in terms of trying to understand how do you get that sort of fear of missing out that causes people to keep on bidding. But really, if someone wants to buy a piece and is willing to buy a piece, it doesn't matter what the mechanism is.
0: Let's talk about this as art. What does it mean to own an NFT? And how does that differ from, say, owning a painting that's on my wall?
2: Okay. There's a world of difference. They're almost unconnected if you own a painting you own an object you physically own something which you can put on your wall you can sell without anyone else's permission you can lend it to a museum if you own an nft all you own is a cryptographic token you don't own any kind of art at all. The token will point to a work of art, which often lives on something called the Interplanetary File Service, but it is not the work of art itself. You have no ownership of the work of art. All you have the ownership of is the token. If you want to lend that work of art to a museum, that's not up to you. That's up to the copyright owner of the artwork, which is invariably the artist.
0: So Felix, if I buy a painting at a store and they hand me the receipt for it, but then say, it's in the back. You'll get it in a couple of weeks. It almost feels like if I buy the NFT, it's the same as having that receipt, but having the painting itself never show up.
2: Yes. Well, the receipt gives you ownership of the painting, whereas the NFT gives you even less than that because it doesn't give you ownership of the painting. All you have ownership of is the receipt.
0: So if I have the NFT, I don't have the right, as you said, to give it to a museum to display. So what exactly is involved in displaying an NFT?
2: Most NFTs are visual art. Not all of them, but most of them are. Certainly the ones that were auctioned at Sotheby's were all visual. And you can display them on screens. Some of them are static images. Some of them are GIFs. And you can have a screen in your house, or you can just call it up on your computer and look at it. And anyone can do that because the address is freely available on the blockchain. There is a convention in the NFT world that if you want to display an NFT... You either need to get the permission of the artist or you have implicit permission to do that if you are the owner of the NFT. And if you are not the owner of the NFT, then it's considered uncool to use someone else's CryptoPunk as your Twitter avatar. But that's all it is. There's no actual legal underpinning here.
0: Given that NFTs were originally designed to be sold online Does that mean that auction houses like Sotheby's and Christie's kind of need NFTs more than NFTs need the auction houses?
2: Sotheby's and Christie's, they deal in anything collectible. They deal in wine, in jewelry, in cars, in watches. They're not just about fine art. And so the minute that they see a new asset class of collectibles. Of course, they're going to jump on it. And during the pandemic, both of them out of necessity have moved mostly to online auctions. So it's relatively easy for them to start embracing NFTs. But certainly most of the value of NFTs is happening away from the auction houses. What's interesting to me about the au- auctions that we've seen at Christie's and Sotheby's is that the overwhelming majority of the money going into NFTs has not really gone into art world NFTs. It's gone into things like CryptoPunks and Beeple which are never really part of the art world. So the art world is A little bit scornful and a little bit greedy. There's a lot of art collectors, art curators, artists, all seeing this like green and promised land of artists making huge amounts of money from their art in a way that they were never able to before. And possibly even getting resale royalties on that art in perpetuity because in the ideal world of NFTs, every time an NFT gets resold, the artist will get another 10% of that price. So if it works out and it becomes a big thing in the art world, then a lot of people in the art world will get rich and people in the art world love to get rich. And so they are hopeful that it will be a thing.
0: So Felix, you spoke with Kevin McCoy. We're going to hear some of that conversation, but why did you go speak with him?
2: Kevin is the most interesting art world person in NFTs, mainly because he invented NFTs. He created the first NFT ever in 2014. He's been a digital artist for many years, and he really understands NFTs on a much deeper level than anyone else I know. Kevin has tried to create structures and legal structures. He's looked at the documentation. And really, if anyone in the world understands the practicalities of how NFTs work and has really spent a lot of time getting their hands dirty under the hood creating these things, it's Kevin.
0: Felix, the way that Kevin's piece was sold seems to almost be kind of the most NFT thing ever. Explain what happened.
2: So this is absolutely glorious. One of the things that you learn very quickly looking at the NFT market is that rather than trying to buy a work of art a lot of people are trying to support creators who they like what we saw at sotheby's was this collector called silly tuna sold the cryptopunk that sold for 11.7 million dollars the minute that that sale was finalized the auction for kevin McCoy's quantum was just ending what Silly tuna did was he took a bunch of that money, about twelve percent of the money that he just made from selling his CryptoPunk, and used it to support Kevin by buying his NFT for about one point four million.
0: Now we'll hear a bit of Felix's interview with Kevin McCoy.
2: You've been dealing with Sotheby's for for months now, like- yeah. How are they thinking about it? Is this this just like a money grab for them? They're like, there's money here. This is what we do as we intermediate.
1: Maybe, you know, (laughs) I don't know.
2: (laughs) I mean, they certainly certainly seem to, when they present the art, On their website, they do the standard glowing catalog notes.
1: Absolutely. They also sell sneakers and they sell uh, 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 Birkin bags and, you know, letters from Scottish poets from the 17th century. And, you know, so it's like they got all kinds of stuff that they're selling. That um, broader horizon is important to keep in mind when you look at their decisions to to step into this market. It is interesting to see that they are the fastest adopters in the traditional art world. You know, they've been the ones that have been able to uh, step into this and engage with this market phenomenon um, much more rapidly than galleries have, by and large. And then and, and savvy crypto participants saw this as a golden opportunity to do essentially a hostile takeover of the art world. And so by spending their $60 million and nearly 70 million with fees, they achieved this massive result of of defining this dialogue, of owning this conversation. And it totally worked, it's incredible. That action just reverberated around the world and suddenly everybody knew or heard about non-fungible tokens and crypto and people selling this.
2: Do you think that one of the reasons why people like you are going to be doing more and more in this space is just because it is easier to sell these things and they sell for more money than if you make old-fashioned art that you have to exhibit in galleries?
1: I work with them because I always work with code and systems. And, and these, uh, this interaction of code and system is particularly fervent right now. There's no question that the NFT form is more exchangeable and tradable than before. That makes a difference in terms of markets. I don't see it as like, oh, it's it sets a higher price point or, or whatever, but it does provide greater utility to collectors because of that ability to trade it, trade it on or whatever. But you know, it's like if, if this blockchain thing is, is, is fundamentally transformative in the history of human nature, yeah, this work seems pretty important. Does that realization factor in now or eventually? I don't know. Who knows what the price is going to be?
0: Welcome back. What we're watching today is Novavax, a Maryland biotech company whose COVID-19 vaccine was found to be 90.4% effective in its phase three clinical trials, including against the coronavirus variants. It was also found to be 100% effective in preventing moderate to severe disease. Why it matters is this is a very big development in the global fight to combat COVID-19, which continues to infect hundreds of thousands of people per day. The U.S. has plenty of vaccine supply from those three vaccines that already got FDA emergency use authorization, so the Novavax shots could be exported to places with severe shortages. And in a related development on that front from over the weekend, the U.S. and G7 leaders announced plans to distribute another billion vaccines, Nearly half of which will come from the US. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. It's my producers, Sabina Sangani, Naomi Shaven, and Alex Sugiara. Please be sure to leave us a review. And if you're not already following or subscribing to the podcast, change that. Have a great National Bourbon Day. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Axios Recap.